Hello, and welcome to Cannabis for the Rest of Us. You have questions, I have questions, and we're going to explore this community together. I'm your host, Philip Rebentish, Chief Storyteller of Gotta Story Media. My guest today is Ashley Pacillo, author of the book, Breaking the Grass Ceiling, Women, Weed, and Business. She is also the founder of Point Seven Group, a cannabis consultancy company dedicated to pre- and post-licensed cannabis companies, and TiberDocs. Breaking the Grass Ceiling tells amazing stories of several women in the cannabis business, and after reading it, I knew I wanted to talk about it. I reached Ashley by phone in late August. Tell me the story of why you wrote this incredible, inspirational book. Thank you for asking that. So the book was a very last-minute decision. Um, I, in 2016, I attended South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, and it was an incredible event for me to attend. It had nothing to do with cannabis, but um, anyone who's in cannabis can tell you when you're in cannabis, it's pretty much all you talk about, think about, live and breathe. So going to South by, which is an event that curates you know, music and film and just really creative thinkers was kind of what I needed at that point in the business just to probably keep my own sanity. Um, but while I was there, I learned a lot and I, before I left, I kind of mentally committed to putting a pitch together for South by to do a cannabis panel at the next year, which would be in March of 2017. So in late fall of 2016, I applied. Um, the panel was called Breaking the Grass Ceiling. And I put three other women on this panel with me that had been pioneers in the Colorado cannabis market. So long story short, I get it, I get this panel accepted and I was so excited. The odds were, were not in my favor. So I was really surprised to get accepted. And then I got to know the woman who was sort of handling our um, presentation. And she said, if you have a book that you'd like to put in the South by Southwest bookstore, uh, let me know. And we'll, we'll set that up. And you just have to have copies mailed to us by February 1st, uh, 2017. And I thought about it and then I, I decided that was kind of crazy because at this point we're in, we're into the month of December and people don't put books together in under two months. <laughs> no, but not, I, not generally. <laughs> I, not, it's not a common thing I've, I've learned, but <laughs> at the same time, South by is a, it's a, you know, it's a prestigious event. It gets an enormous amount of attention and you know, it was a cool opportunity. So I thought, you know what, why not try? And worst case, it's not done in time. I haven't lost anything and I'm on my way to putting a book together. So that was kind of, that was how the idea came to be. <laughs> and it was very fast. The whole book went from, I think from the time Lauren and I started interviewing till the time uh, we had to ship copies was around 45 days. So you wrote that entire book in 45 days and got it done and printed and digital and all of that, right? 45 days? 45 days. That's amazing. Very proud of the timeline. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone <laughs> um, at first, but again, it was, you know, we didn't have, there was no luxury of more time. And so I think when, you know, when Lauren and I sat down and I, I asked her point blank, like, am I being a crazy person by pursuing this? And she said, you know what? No, let's just do it. I'll help however I can. And if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. We still will still print it and we'll still publish it. It just won't launch there. But 
we had that goal in mind and then you know it was over the holidays and we kind of just buckled down and a lot of sleepless nights <laughs> so how did you pick the women in it um, was it hard to narrow it down between how many subjects you wanted to um, cover yeah that's a great question so um Candidly, I what I wanted to do, I wanted to make sure that this book represented geographical diversity. So people that were working in cannabis in a number of markets, California, Colorado, the Northeast, different countries. I also wanted the women to come from different corners of the industry professionally. So women who operated the facility, women who were um, more on the science side, the medical side, legal side. So I had those parameters in mind. But when you go to write a book in 45 days, um, you know, you also have to make sure that the people you're, you're attempting to interview are okay with that timeline. So basically I, I reached out to 10 or 15 women, uh, to see if, if there was interest and then, um, started to assemble the book around those anchor themes, like where are they from and what have they done? And, and are we really painting a broad picture of what this industry is? Um, but at the same time, it, it, we didn't give them a whole lot of options as far as their interview slots. So people had pretty much a 10-day uh, window to sign up for an interview slot with us. Um, so there were some really incredible women that didn't make the cut solely because they they were away on vacation when we had to do the interviews. So um, I'm pretty excited about putting together a second version, and I will do it in many months instead of 45-day timeline. But yes, it was very tricky. And, you know, as I've started to think about a second one, um, but yeah, it's unbelievable how much women have done in this space and in so many different capacities. I, I think it'll be m even more challenging second time around. Well, I love the book, and I'm I'm looking forward to the next one. And that actually leads into my next question. You know, there's a current perception out there uh, with the green rush that there's easy money to be made in cannabis, um, and that it's pretty easy to do it in general. But reading the book, that was not really what came across for me about these women. Um, is there a common character trait among the women in the book? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and. Just to comment on what you said, when I sat down to put this together, I also didn't expect the, to see the theme that, that I wound up seeing and that a lot of people have seen. So you know, I, I, I definitely didn't want to shape what these women were saying when we were interviewing them. But in, in the back of my head, I always kind of thought this was going to be a, a positive, powerful compilation of stories about the great things these women have done in the space. And I think in some ways it is that, but I was alarmed and surprised by how many women shared pretty much the same story about their struggles in this space and how difficult it has been for them to maintain ownership of businesses that they actually started. Um, that was a theme I, I, didn't, I did not expect to see so much of. Um, so I think that, you know, to answer the, the character trait question, I was really, I was blown away by the honesty of these women because a lot of them are telling pretty difficult stories. Um, some of them are, are outwardly talking about failures that they've had. And that's not easy for anybody to talk about, but 
what I gathered as I was putting this together, these women really cared a lot about informing other women about the things that had gone right, the things that had gone wrong, um, to protect them and to arm them with knowledge that they didn't have. And, you know, to make sure that women coming into the space now um, are, are, you know, in a better position to hold on to the things that they're building, because this is not as female friendly of an industry as I think that the picture was, was painted. Um, there was a lot of media attention over the last year or so about this space being very uh, welcoming for women. I, I wouldn't say that that isn't true, but I, I think that some of the numbers um, are inflated as it pertains to women in, in executive roles. So I really appreciated their general honesty and their, their sincere desire to educate and um, really protect other other people coming into this. So do you feel that the industry is built on relationships? And if so, how does this affect the women in it? That's a good question, too. A hundred percent. I definitely believe this, this space is built on relationships. For me personally, um, you know, I, was, I was telling someone recently, even last year, which was our second, the second full year of having this company, I, I didn't really do any marketing. Um, I didn't have a marketing budget. I wasn't putting a lot of energy or time into marketing. And, and we had a pretty explosive year on, on the sales side, bringing on a lot of clients. And that's because of the relationships that I have. Uh, almost all of those clients came in through word of mouth and from referrals through other, you know, industry partners and friends and, su and such like that. So um, I think that that speaks to, you know, how how interconnected we all are. And, and I do think that women, for the most part, seem to really look out for one another and try to, you know, it's women that are constantly trying to funnel me new leads and new business. So uh, yes, I think that, that this is definitely based on, on relationships. And um, especially, you know, I, I own two different companies, but one of them is a service-based company. So reputation is, is pretty much everything. And reputation obviously comes from how you treat the people around you and how you operate. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's been an extremely important part of, of at least of my business model and uh, many of the business models of of friends and colleagues of mine in the space as well. So to follow up, um, I noted a theme in the book that many of the women stated the importance of finding the right partner, both in business and in their personal lives. And, you know, of course that makes sense. But in general, you don't really hear men saying things like that. Did, did that surprise you that these women were so open about talking about that? Yeah, that's a that's an amazing question. Well, I'm doing and well I, then. <laughs> I hope that I hope that starts to shift. I I mean, I I don't know. I definitely agree with what you're what you're saying and the sentiment that women are much more seems, um, you know, open about their their partnerships. I feel like just I don't I don't like general generalized statements. Women are uh, overall. I think women tend to be better at relationship management. And I, I do think that, you know, one of one of our strengths as women is, you know, having a lot of emotional intelligence and knowing how to read situations and read people. Um, I think we are, we do tend to be more emotional and that can be a, a gift and a curse, just like any any other trait or skill set. But 
um, you know, it was, it was interesting as, as we were interviewing these women, almost all of them really wanted to attribute at least some of their success or um, their ability to keep plowing through to someone else, whether that's a, a romantic partner, husband, husband or wife or uh, business partner or um, strategic partner, whatever. There was a lot of credit given. And, you know, I, I think that some of that comes from women and just the way we, we behave and the way we, we interact with other human beings on the earth. But I also think that for women to, to rise in business, um, we really do need to lean on each other and we need to push each other up in a way that men maybe don't. Um, that doesn't mean that men aren't working really hard to, to get to the top, but we, you know, I think it's, it's all understood at this point that, that doors are opened in a different way for men than they are for women. Um, so it, it didn't surprise me that, you know, women really did want to credit others who, who were there for them to help you know, push those doors down and, and get them to the next level. One chapter in the book talks about a husband and wife team where she would sometimes leave the room to let her husband negotiate with other men. And in my personal life, my mother made more money than my father. So I've never understood pay or equity status bias, right? I've never understood that. So as a very general question, and I know we want to be careful about generalities, but how can men in the cannabis business be supportive of women in the cannabis business? There's a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of ways that, that men can be supportive. So I, I guess in, in the sphere that I'm working in now, uh, there, there's a lot of rooms that I'm in where I am the only woman in the room. And that's a fundamental problem by itself. So I think the, the first part of that answer is if you're a man in cannabis, and you own a company or you're in a leadership position or a decision-making position, um, I, I think it's your responsibility, as it is mine as an employer and a business owner, but um, it's, your, it's, it's everyone's responsibility to bring more women into the space. Um, you know, really, I challenge any business owner, especially men, to really look at your staffing plans, look at your diversity plans, and don't just write them down because you have to do it for your license. Actually enact those plans and put some weight behind them and really prioritize your, you know, the way that you're going to go about recruiting women and, and also just people of color in general, because, um, you know, that's, that's the easiest way to open up doors is to really look within your own business. In terms of, you know, the, the real life situations that happen, I mean, I've certainly been in meetings where, I can't get a word in. I've been interrupted for the dozenth time. Um, and I, I can speak up for myself and I do, but you know, it's, it is nice to have allies in the room. And you know, I, I, what I did not want to do with this book and, and I don't think that we did, but the book was never supposed to be a, you know, a man hating book. Um, some of the most supportive people in my life are men and, you know, I, I don't think that this needs to be such a black and white conversation the way sometimes it is that you know, men are men are holding us back. I, I don't necessarily believe that's true. I think a lot of women can be um, just as crippling to other women in this space. So I, it's important to have allies. Um, the reality is there are more men in executive level positions than women. I, I read that there are more there are more CEOs named John then there are female CEOs. And if that's true, oh. it's, 
speaks to how few, right, how few women um, really do have a seat at that table. So I, I feel like that those are those are two very practical ways that um, that men can that men can be more supportive. And the reality is this industry will be stronger if it is more inclusive and if it is more diverse. Our consumers that are purchasing cannabis every day, you know, they come from all walks of life. So I think building an industry of diverse professionals um, is smart business. It's not a charitable thing. It's a smart way to run a business. Well, and what my research indicates is that the fastest growing demographic of, of people getting into cannabis or reentering use of cannabis are women. So I think it's probably a good thing that as an industry, as, as, as a community, that the community itself is supportive of women. And by the way, I didn't feel that the, the book was taking a hard look at men. I didn't get that at all. What I, I just I felt it was very inspirational. Um, as I said in, in my first question to you, I, I felt that I really enjoyed reading the stories of these women and what they had to go through to get their businesses going. And you're right there. They, I, I was I was pleased that they talked about their failure because that is how you learn as well as their successes. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and that was, again, not the intention. So I'm glad you didn't feel that way. I think you know, people have asked me before, is this book for men? Should men read this book? Yeah, I, yes. I think so. And <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased, right? I wrote it. But <laughs> when I tell people to read it and when I tell them this is a good book, you have to understand, I, I believe these stories are good stories. And they're not my stories. I put pen to paper. Lauren and I worked really hard to get these stories down so that people could, could read them so we could share them. But we didn't create these stories. These women did. And so when I tell people, yeah, this is this is a really powerful read. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of the stories that are, are within it. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of my efforts and Lauren's efforts and making it happen. But um, these are their stories. And I really felt strongly that that they needed to be told. And I think that men can absolutely take away a lot. I mean, there's practical business knowledge and, and ideas and um, things that, that would benefit anyone in this space, what women, men, doesn't matter. But I also think that, you know, going back to your question about men being more supportive, um, understanding the ways in which women are harmed in business is an important step in making sure that that pattern doesn't continue. In, in what in what way, Ashley? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Um, there as a man interrupting. So sorry. In what way have they been harmed? Well, I don't know. I guess maybe harmed isn't the right word, but I, I think that it's, it's definitely um, my opinion, and, and I don't know if it's really a secret, but I, I think that, you know, women struggle to get to the same place that men do in business. Um, I've watched that with, within my own family. I've watched that with a lot of friends. I've, I've experienced that myself where I felt like I was running circles around people work-wise and I would get a company acknowledgement and the, the guy next to me would get a bonus and a promotion and a different title. And so I've, I've experienced that firsthand. I know most women in my life um, have similar stories. And so but I, but I also believe that I, I don't, I don't believe that men are, you know, just inherently bad and in trying to push us out of our jobs or out of our companies. I don't really believe that that's the case, but I think that men are sometimes better prepared for these environments just because men have been leading businesses for 
far longer than women have. And a lot of the themes that we see in this book, you know, about protecting yourself legally, having legal counsel, looking out for you, the individual, and not just your business, those kinds of, um, you know, that, that kind of advice, I think, is is newer for women to receive than than it is for a lot of men who have been, you know, groomed for business for a lot longer, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I think it makes perfect sense. Um, and, and that's society as a whole. Yeah. And I think when you look at a boardroom, you see it for yourself. I mean, I'm not creating these statistics. We know that far fewer women are in business. Well, it's not because we're not as smart. It's not because we're not as competent. So why? Why are there less women there? And, you know, we have to look at history. We have to look at, you know, outdated ways of doing things. And I I don't, again, I don't believe that most men are trying to keep that boardroom the way it is. I just think that habits form and um, sometimes in, in the chaos of life, it's hard to look at those habits and figure out where to make changes. So I, I feel like, you know, if a man were to pick this up, there's there are a lot of takeaways just to try and look at the situation through someone else's eyes is a, is a really good first step and truly trying to understand another person's perspective. Um, that perspective can really help make make positive changes. Well, I agree that empathy is a good thing. <laughs> right? <I agree. laughs> so um, what advice do you have for women that are thinking about jumping into the cannabis business? Yeah, that's that's a great one. Um, well, I did. I mentioned a moment ago that a lot of the a lot of the women in the book. I, I think the number one piece of advice was making sure that as your company grows and you're bringing in investors or you're bringing in partners, that you are protecting yourself as well. And yeah, your company needs an attorney, but you need an attorney that is watching out for you um, because. A lot, there's a lot of detail in these documents. You know, if you're about to go and fundraise, um, it's, there's a lot to consider. And I mean, even for me, I feel like I've, I've studied business. I've been wanting to be in business for so long. There's so much I learn every day about protecting myself and the risks that, I, that, that are there and the exposure that I have. So say number one is, is definitely protecting yourself legally and making sure that you really do have someone in your corner that's looking out for your best interest at all times. Um, because sometimes in the emotion of things, it's, it's just hard to do that for yourself. So having, having that other person is, is really important. Um, the second thing I, I sometimes see with women, there's, you know, a lot of women are, are very supportive of others. I think that especially in that text, there's a lot of women that are talking about the ways in which women can support one another and kind of bring each other up that ladder, so to speak. But um, because there's so few women in that boardroom, right, that boardroom environment we're talking about, sometimes I feel that women can become uh, very competitive and sometimes less likely to turn around and throw down that the hypothetical ladder to the next woman. Um, and And that's something that has to you know, change too. So I guess advice for, for newcomers, I mean, be really open to asking for help, for sharing. Um, if, if, you know, people are there helping you, there were a lot of mentors for me when I got into this space and I feel really grateful that it's come full circle and I can do that now for other people. But if, if that's part of the deal, you've got to turn around and really look at the people around you and, and 
and try to encourage them too. And that's the only way we're going to be able to change what this looks like over the long term. Um, it's a very, in a lot of ways, this is a very supportive community. Um, but you've, you've got to be very, very careful. Do your homework, do your due diligence on everyone. Um, you know, don't take anyone at, at face value. Really do your do that research and make sure that you're working with clients and partners and um, et cetera that, that share your values. Because in an industry like this that's growing so fast, there's, a, there's certainly a lot of professionals, but there's a lot of uh, bandwagon folks too that aren't necessarily here for the right reasons. And I believe that it's okay to be here and to, to want to have a successful, profitable business. That's certainly a goal of mine. Um, but it's also equally important to me that I'm a good person doing that, that I operate with integrity, that I give back, that I'm an, you know, an activist when I can be. And um, really, you know, remembering why we're all here and what this plant is really supposed to be doing. The book was published in 2017. You mentioned that you have uh, a second uh, book coming out soon. You're going to take more time to write it. What else are you currently pursuing? Thanks for asking that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm starting the process of, of organizing a, a second book. Um, can't say too much more than that, but hopefully more clarity on that in, in the next few months. Aside from that, Point Seven's been very, very busy. We've moved now into our 22nd state. We're in some conversations in Canada as well as Europe. And then most recently, at the end of July, I launched a second company, which is called TimberDocs. And basically, TimberDocs is a uh, standard operating procedure business. So we're working very closely with groups throughout the state of California and soon in Michigan to basically give them their procedures, their forms, their paperwork, all of that stuff in more of a boilerplate fashion versus our standard consulting work. And it's been really helpful in, um, in working with more, with more companies. California right now, I think there's a misconception that says that everyone in California is rolling around and in cash and everything's going well. And that's just not the case. It's no. Extremely difficult. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a, with the tax rates the way they are and just all of the regulatory changes, um, these businesses are, are in a tough position for the most part. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I, this is absolutely a business for us and it's, it's doing very well. But I also, you know, believed when I started it that um, we'd created a solution that could be very beneficial to these cannabis operators that have a lot to get done and a lot of um, compliance and operational work to do to get their licenses. So I'm pretty proud of that. And I think that it's going to help usher more commercial cannabis businesses through the system um, in, in the next few weeks and months. So we're really excited about that. Where can people find you online? And more importantly, where can they buy your book? <laughs> So online, um, the best way to find me is to go to point7group.com. You can also find me on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, or you can check out our new company's website, which is timberdocs.com. And the book is on Amazon Prime. So if you're a Prime member, no pitch. I didn't mean to pitch there for Amazon, but you can have your book in a couple of business days. And um, and learn a lot about the book and just how it came to be. The the book's website is grassfeelingbook.com. 
And we'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes. um, So you can check out the show notes and find links to them there. So Ashley, thank you so much for taking time today. I really appreciate it. Um, This has been really fun. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this too. Looking forward to talking more. And and if anyone has questions, for sure, send them my way. I'd love to chat with them. Excellent. I'll be happy to. Thank you for listening to Cannabis for the Rest of Us. Please subscribe and help us grow. Check out our show notes for more information about this podcast and Gotta Story Media. You can find us at gotastory.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Thank you for listening.